And now, on to part two of Missing Witches Live, The Divine Invites You to Dance. Now we're joined by our wonderful guests, Phoenix Inanna and Jacqueline Beaumont. If you missed part one, be sure to listen to that next. Blessed be. Happy Letha. So, we're going to come back to Monica's show for a second. here now. Monica's show um, was involved um, with her co-writer. If any of you listen to the podcast, you're probably familiar with the name of the book, The Great Cosmic Mother. Um, it's one of Missing Witch's favorite books. And it was co-written by a woman named Barbara Moore. Now, Barbara Moore got um, Monica Show involved with this, like, feminist spirituality cult in the 70s. They formed a commune. They lived together with their power and electricity. And they published this magazine called Women's Spirit Magazine. And there are several volumes we brought to you. Um, because we thought, what better place to go looking for the divine feminine than a feminist spirituality cult from the 70s? <laughs> I think you'll all agree. So, Risa is going to read a letter that was written into the magazine and published. Um, and please note that the woman, who, the woman who wrote this letter about dance spells the word woman and women like three or four different ways throughout. So it really is this anti-patriarchy, um, fresh crazy movement that started with these women in a commune. Um, so I, before we get started, um, once again, in honor of the Divine Feminine, we are taking up a collection and we're donating the proceeds to the Native Women's Shelter of Montreal, the most divine from the stolen land that we live on. So let's give back. I'm going to pass the collection plate while Risa reads this piece. Dig deep. So this comes to us from Louise in Key Biscayne, Florida. The Spring Equinox issue, 1978. Dance, woman, being, spirit. The spirit of dance is that which is and that which without it the mind and body are incomplete. Women are the spirit of the rhythm of the pulse of the world. Women are the world's dancers. They talk without athletics when they dance without athletics when they walk. When they talk, they blend life into a perfection of living, gladly denying that other Olympic mistake of comparing themselves to others. They are happiest when they move, alert to their own rhythms, which are the rhythms of the universe, the rhythms of the stars, the rhythms of the days and nights of mood and change within themselves and in the hearts and minds and bodies of those near and dear. They respond to the pulse of the world's turning. They listen when they have been taught to listen, to the sound of their own spinning and inner convulsions. They feel the stars in their majestic orbit lilting in the night as the sun in the hours of its presence lilts and lights the day. Women are pulled in and out. Their spirit is the spirit of dance joy, dance speech, dance strength, not proven power, not winning with tricks or games, not defeating others with dramatic context. This spirit of woman speaking is the light of the past that will light the way for the future of woman being woman. There are many ways to speak, but dance is the most natural, the most easily understood of all languages. It is universal and all-encompassing. 
Knowing our own being spirit woman, our own being woman spirit, our own spirit being woman is joy. For what other reason does life offer us this fluid changing body, these earth curved lines, this lift and fall and breadth of pace? Woman open, woman closed, woman rhythmic as the sea, full and unfull as the moon, steady as the mountains. This body that folds and unfolds, bends, twists, whirls, and is still. It contracts, expands, births, nourishes. This body that says more loudly than any spoken word, I am, you are. It is ours to speak our loneliness, our friendliness, our hopes, our joy. So here's another thing in Women's Fair Magazine. I'll pass this one around in the meantime so you guys can take a look at the artwork. Um, and this is belly dance instruction from Women's Spirit Magazine. Now, you probably expect that something that's about the divine and feminine and rhythm and dance is going to be all about the menstrual cycle, and I'm here to tell you it's not. <laughs> I personally found nothing miraculous about my menstrual cycle until I had the inside of my uterus burned out intentionally. So when I think about belly dancing, and as we go through this together, I remember that in ancient times, the belly, the stomach, was considered the seat of the soul. So when I think about belly dancing, and as we go through this together, I want you womb or wombless, <laughs> if you're happy with your womb or you aren't happy with it, we're talking about the fruition of the soul. We're not necessarily, although that too, Risa has a beautiful new baby and we're super grateful for the, that, that kind of fertility. But what we're talking about here is the divine. The divine. Something that is above what we as humans put onto each other. The divine has no binary opposition. It's much too vast for that. So I'm going to ask you all to stand, if you're able. Stand if you're able. And if you're not, place your hands on your belly. <clears throat> now, uh, uh, belly dance is an ancient art celebrating women as creator of life. We talked about that. Wombs aside, think of your belly as the seat of your soul, where you reproduce ideas, where you're fertile with thoughts and feelings. <clears throat> is everyone ready? Stand with feet about 14 inches apart. <laughs> Where was I? Okay. Stand with feet about 14 inches apart. Knees slightly bent. Put your two hands on the two pelvic bones just above the joint where your leg meets the body. Relax your anus and buttocks. That's an important step. <laughs> now, give your hands a ride forward and up, slowly pushing your pelvis forward and up. You can exaggerate the forward pelvic push even more by tilting your shoulders and head back. Slightly, and at the same time, slightly, sorry. <laughs> Try to feel your genitals and the energy that begins to flow all throughout the buttocks genitals and pelvic area as you push it slowly forward and hold it there. You can also have fun lying on your back with your hand. We're going to skip that. <laughs> Alright, bend knees slightly and put feet about 14 inches apart. 
Tuck the pelvis back under you. Slide hips and pelvis out to the left. <laughs> Slide hips and pelvis forward so that you're leaning back slightly. Slide hips and pelvis out to the right. Slide pelvis back under you. And continue circling. <laughs> Really good. <laughs> now, again, the, con the historical concept of belly dance is um, about childbirth. It wasn't a sexualized harem, you know, dance. It was about the fertility, again, not just of our human bodies, but of the soil. These dances were performed because they mimic the movements when a woman is trying, uh, when a person who is gives birth, <laughs> pushes that baby out. But again, we're thinking of this in terms of how we heal our soul, the fruit that we make from our bodies in dance. Um, move your arms. <laughs> Sway from side to side. Make that circle. And when you feel disconnected from your soul, remember, it lives in your belly. And you can shake it up anytime you want to. Anytime you want to. This is where your soul lives. This is where your fertility comes from. Fertility of the mind. Fertility of the soil. Keep dancing. Keep dancing. Keep dancing. Keep dancing. Keep dancing. My sister started Diana. And I'll pass this one around too if anybody needs extra tips. <laughs> so now we're going to move on to what we call witches' fat. Which is, which is, which is, which is, that we find contemporary witches, such as Raggy and Phoenix. Um, and <coughs> I have a lot of questions for you both. Now, I, I wanted to bring the two of you here, first and foremost, because you're both involved in this world of dance, um, but also because you both contend with divinity and femininity in your arts and in your lives. So if we can start, whoever wants to start, how do we define divinity? Right? <laughs> uh, how, do, how do I define it? How do you, how do you define it? Um, divinity to me is a connection to, first and foremost, to my ancestry and the, the relationship of my physical body through time and culture, but also uh, it's a connection to it's a connection to the soil, actually, mm -hmm. and the sky, and um, everything that's alive and everything that's dead. Uh, it's like an expression of soul, 
that is not necessarily unique, but uh, mul multiplied, multiplus, and uh, connected to other souls. How about you, Jackie? What's the divine? The divine uh, for me takes so many different forms. Much louder. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so to me, the, uh, the divine takes so many different forms. Um, I think to me, the the most all-encompassing way of uh, defining what divinity is is uh, almost like a something that runs through all existence and has an equal pull and push on different things depending on what you put out into the world and what it receives back. Um, yeah, I think that's like a very simplistic definition for me. And so how do we um, look at femininity then? Can we define it? No. No, we can't. No, we can't. Let's try. What are, our, what are our thoughts? What what makes something feminine? Um, I, femininity is completely defined by oneself that that one, that that feels within themselves. It's something that is inherently there in all of us, and um, some people are more tapped into it than others. Um, some people. It just it flows through them very naturally. So, um, unfortunately, I feel like a lot of people have been taught to block that flow. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, I think that it's completely subjective on the person, um, and it takes many different forms. Infinite. Uh, I think that femininity and masculinity are concepts that only exist in the physical world of human society, and like. You see it in the animal world too, but like, yeah, it's really a, a construct and we're starting to really like investigate that and get away from these ideas, but we have to use them because of the world we live in where things that are defined as feminine um, are like, you know, negatively affected. So we, we use these words for the purpose of understanding the world that we live in, but when it relates to divinity, actually what exists, exists like in a, in a, in like a whole and complete way. And so binaries and splits and divisions, um, yeah, they're just like a way of seeing the world. And so like I work with femininity in a way that is conscious that it, it's constructed. And so I like to experiment and play with it and push its limits. But it's also just an, an easy, convenient word to describe things in a way that there's some sort of people perceive that there's a consensus about what femininity is, so it makes communicating sometimes easier. Reductive. But also it is reductive and it's kind of violent too, because it cuts people into pieces. Mm -hmm. And people and things are not pieces. No. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I sort of think of myself as being post-gender, but I think that's easy to say in your bubble of your mind, in your, your philosophy. When you go out into the world, you have to contend with how women are treated exactly. differently, how males are treated differently, you know, um, and how patriarchy hurts us all. Yes. <laughs> but certainly when we talk about the divine, I think we all agree that the masculine and feminine doesn't exist within the divine so much as it does within humanity. Agreed. So again, we, when we talk about dance, this is bodily. So we have to be connected to our bodies in order to dance. Now, Phoenix, speaking of gender, you are a drag king and like a drag queen, burlesque, you know, neo-burlesque. So how, um, how do you find that you're 
smashing the binary by enacting the binary. Well, I like how you actually just started that because it's funny, it's so hard to define what I do and I, I have to use terms like burlesque and drag and all this stuff so that people understand how to book me. <laughs> but, very practical, like, yeah. Yeah, what I do, practical. even just what I do is nebulous. Like, I'll belly dance, I do goddess drag, which is not just traditional queen drag, it's like a specific kind of feminine exploration or exploration of the idea of femininity. So I do, like, uh, I'm very flexible, I'm very fluid, not just in my gender, identity but in everything that I do and um, so that's one way that I smash binaries and um, move around definitions and navigate myself as like a jack-of-all-trades kind of situation um, yeah so definitions are interesting names are interesting binaries are interesting these are ways for which we feel control over the world and things um, but it's an illusion of control because names are given by humans. <laughs> so why dance? Why dance? Why dance? What else is there? <laughs> what else is there? It is the most authentic way, in my opinion, to communicate and to relate to the world. Um, it is the primary, it is the authentic, it is like um, the oldest thing we, we know about ritual is like movement and interactivity. Uh, dance, simply put, is a body in space. Um, even if you're just standing still, that can absolutely be seen as dance. So it's, you're born dancing. I don't know if it's come up yet, but I did put a clip from the OA. If any of you have watched the show, the whole concept is that there are certain movements that are magical when put together that can move you. I love that you're loving I was going to text you to <laughs> These specific choreographed by Ryan Heffington, by the way. Yeah. If you want to talk about dance, let's talk about Ryan Heffington, but you can look that up on your own. Um, <laughs> but the idea that ritual movement has magical power. Jackie, what do you think about that? Um, certainly. I think that there is, I think that also in terms of dance, it's not limited to just human life as well. There are so many different ways in which dance can take form within the rest of the biology. Can you tell us about how molecules dance? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, the way that they interact with each other, it's, it, the way that they move their, their bodies in space, um, determine the density of that object or the, the, the characteristics that that object takes or the life that that object takes. Um, I mean, I've, I've also been thinking a lot about, um, I've been thinking a lot about Venus lately as well lately, and how interesting how uh, you can actually hear an electromagnetic pulse of Venus, and in space there's no sound, um, but you can, we've figured out how to hear the sound of its body moving in space, and so that sound is actually its body whirling through the abyss. Um, Relatable. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've, been, I've just been fascinated by the, the fact that like this is actually just the sound of its body quivering um, or just dancing through space. Um, and now it's, it's not even perceivable in terms of, we can't hear it if we were out there. Obviously we're not gonna be out there, um, but like, uh, it's just so fascinating to me that it's not just this bodily movement uh, isn't just limited to humanity as well. So it can take so many different forms. I mean, if you look at like animal mating practices, there are so many different species. Mating dances. Yeah, mating dances yes. transcend past humanity and into like billions of species around the world where 
uh, again, just the movement of bodies and the precision of bodies moving in space um, have, have, have like a life or death um, reaction. So yeah, it's really interesting. I remember when we first interviewed you in your lab, you guys described um, realizing that certain, when you were trying to enact certain protocols, that for you, they, they, were, they were witchcraft, that it was kind of like a spell book that you guys were building of your scientific protocols. And I thought of that when you were saying that these specific movements create life, that, that it's almost like a dance that you guys do in the lab. Definitely, definitely it is. And um, yeah, I've been, I've been working with genetic engineering as of recently and just realizing how, uh, and not, not just how precise you need to be, because obviously biology is very precise, um, but yet also completely not at the same time. Sometimes it's just a complete fluke. But in a lab, um, you run by a specific protocol that is down to like the microliter, like, like just the tiniest little amount that you would never even think about, but that will set all their bodies into movement, or they will set a reaction within themselves that will trigger something, and the, the way that you put them on a shaker and how they move around um, helps them to like develop themselves into life. And at the end of it, you actually have a, a living organism that is conceived out of this dance, of this movement. Um, a dance that develops into life. It is, yeah. Can somebody write that down, please? <laughs> dance that develops into life. And I think that's what we're talking about here. Um, I reached out to one of our friends um, named Lindsay, aka Dark Lake Tarot, because she's also a burlesque dancer, but um, she's of Caribbean heritage, and a lot of her um, Caribbean ancestry and spirituality comes out in her dance. So I asked her to write a little something for this. I'm going to read it quickly. Um, dance is an essential part of growing up in the Caribbean. Whether you grew up rucking it down the streets during Junkaroo, Carnival or crop over, or if you were swaying to the voices of God in church every Sunday. But minutes away from stepping onto the stage to perform my act, tribute to the Obaya Man, part of the Vancouver International Burlesque Festival, I felt like I was drowning under the weight of expectation. Sure, there were nerves attached to performing at such a prestigious event, but I felt woefully inadequate and unprepared for the enormity of the task at hand representing my home country and the cultures that birthed me, the indigenous spiritual practices of my ancestors, successfully colonized and criminalized in modern society, communicating my existence in the intersection of women, behemoth, stripper, and witch, and attempting in my own imperfect, struggling way to begin what I now know to be the start of a lifetime of ancestral healing and reconnection. To be honest, I remember very little of the routine, and although there are pictures and video on the internet, although there are pictures and video on the internet, I know I chose a song of cultural significance, Exuma Veil by a Man, by Tony McKay, and the intention was the channel to channel the spirit or spirit of the Obey Man, read my heritage, my ancestry, my culture, my identity, through the routine, reconcile it all within my body. All I remember is a blinding spotlight and a primal pulsation from deep in my blood. But it wasn't from fear or even adrenaline, I think. I think it was something deeper. Drum lines and bloodlines stretching generations and miles and circumstances lit up like a circuit board calling me by name, as if I never left those shores. 
I took flight and soared home triumphant, and I danced with the cosmos and innumerable ancestors I knew by sight. I communed with the spirits, jubilant and supplicant, and let their truths, my newfound sacred truth, move through my body as it felt led to move. When I came to, I had collapsed in the wings, in joyful tears, with friends and strangers alike weeping with me, seeing me, and acknowledging me in my wholeness, just as I now acknowledge myself in my wholeness. Transfigured, humbled to dirt, and buoyant. Now, when I read this, Phoenix, I thought of you immediately, because I know that you use your dance to connect your ancestry. You mentioned it already. So how do we use our physical bodies to connect to the dead, or to our ancestry, or to our culture? How do you do that? Yeah, that's yeah. all I can do. Yeah. Yeah. We collect perspectives one by one here. Yeah. Nobody has a universal perspective. Slow and steady, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, wow, where do I begin? Um, so, like, everything that I do is for spirit. So, like, even just for my name, Phoenix Inanna, Phoenix being the regenerative uh, creation destruction cycle that is so much home to me, but also, like, a part of the universal communication. Inanna being the Sumerian goddess who, you know, is an ancestor to my Iraqi heritage, and Isis being my Egyptian queen goddess who I choose to worship in feminine form because of my experiences with patriarchy and my need for healing from patriarchy. I explore goddesses. That's what I'm interested in. It's what I'm drawn to. I've only got one act where I'm embodying male masculine divinity. Um, because I have so much, like I've been raised as a woman, perceived as a woman, so I have that as part of my identity, regardless of whether or not I identify that way. So I also identify as a woman as well as non-binary, and then I explore. So like yesterday, you were there at the, the show. Yeah, I did a, um, a, a performance where I, you know, wore these like house clothes that, you know, like an African auntie would wear, like my mom would wear when she's cleaning out the house, you know. And I danced to a, a very aggressive but really fun song called Get the Fuck Out of My House. And uh, I, you know, I, I took to the stage and smoke cleansed the room because, you know, when you're performing, you're really absorbing a lot of energy. And I feed off the audience, but sometimes that energy is wild and unpredictable, and so you have to kind of cleanse your space. And then I started dancing vigorously, aggressively, viciously, unapologetically, and I broomed and cleaned that stage. With a broom. With a literal broom, because that is the power of the witch, that is the vehicle of the witch, and it's, it's you know, it's, it's very important. And we were under a Scorpio full moon, which is a really good time to detox. And what I'm going through in my life, I needed that. And so I choose to dance the things that I'm going through, and I choose to dance for myself. And when I perform it to others, it's with the intention of sharing what I know and knowing that the witness is privileged to witness and also feeding me. So it's a mutual relationship. I am giving of myself in a way that is full of wisdom and um, access to a culture that people would not necessarily have access to and that's very generous and vulnerable. Um, and then I receive from the audience, I receive all of this like, you know, um, change and I can see how people are affected and how their bodies are shifting in relation to what they're absorbing. And so it's like a mutual care. Um, so yeah, for me, it's like the relationship with the audience is a lot of connecting with spirituality through dance, the relationship to myself and my body and allowing the movement to guide me where I'm going and trusting in that process that I'm gonna get there. 
Um, is that kind of an answer to your question? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> that was an answer to a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you brought up this, um, the give and take between you and the audience. So I'll ask this about you because you're both performers. What's the difference between, or the difference in divinity, the difference in ritual between performing a dance for an audience or just dancing in your own home, like most of us do. I'm not a professional dancer, but I dance constantly. I'm not in front of an audience, right? So what's the, what's the spiritual difference between dancing alone and dancing for an audience? I mean, like, for me, when, I, when I'm performing, I, depending on the performance I'm doing, if I am embodying a storyline which is more centered around, as you were talking about, more goddess-based uh, persona, it is, um, I, I can feel like it, it's very close to what is what I do at home because it's, it's drawing myself down, it's connecting to it, uh, whatever you want to define goddess as, um, and, and rooting that up and bringing it forth and sort of letting it live within you. Um, for me, I can, I can just feel it pulsing through my veins. It's like it carries me through. Um, it's not like I'm in in that aspect. Those performances aren't really me performing. It's almost like I'm the channel. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm almost channeling something. But um, that's that something yeah. that Lindsay mentioned too. That she almost like came to at the yeah. end of her performance. Yeah. Like, how do you feel, Phoenix? Is there like an element of possession? Yeah, there is, it's a big difference. When you're dancing for yourself, it's like a real connection to yourself. And just like um, dancing for dance's sake, moving for movement's sake. So it's very self-indulgent, which is really lovely and loving and important. And I do that to prepare for performance. Um, oh, you dance alone to prepare for a performance? It's movement, it's like it's, it's, yeah, like a stretch, I move, I dance, I kind of wiggle around, I like do some of this stuff, I breathe, that's all dance, right? And then when you're in front of an audience, this is actually my forte. I really enjoy performing because it's uh, there's a different quality to it. The anxiety, the fear, like of um, the vulnerability and the unpredictability of people and the relationships between physical bodies and souls and all this stuff, um, and that consumption, the people consuming you, and you trying to either be consumed or disrupt that consumption. All of those things create an energy in my performance that is um, completely unique and completely different from dancing by yourself. And it's a gift, but it's also, um, uh, it's like, um, I wanna say the word is contrived, but not in a negative connotation, mm -hmm. but in an intentional way. Like I'm not just doing whatever flopping around. I'm kind of like, you know, using specific movements that I feel are gonna communicate an intention Either that's going to be understood, or it doesn't matter if it's not understood. It can also just be for me, uh, or knowing that that movement has its own power, regardless of whether it's understood or not. Can I ask you to think about um, Anna Halpern's idea of dancing to reconstitute the world? When you talk about um, a series of gestures being contrived to elicit a specific response, to elicit a specific change. What did you think when you heard those descriptions of Anna Halperin's dance for peace? Is that, does that jive with something you think is possible? Incredible. It, like goosebumps. Yeah. It's so generous. Yeah. And so, um, 
just fierce. It's fierce. Yeah, I think she's fucking fierce. Yeah. <laughs> I love the idea of this like 80-year-old woman on a mountain, you know, in outside of San Francisco, believing that 30 years of dancing can bring people closer to peace. It's potent. Like, the feeling of impotence that we have in this world, the feeling of helplessness, that is how you counter it, you know? You're like, okay, well, I can't save the world. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not, like, I don't have ultimate power. I am not necessarily God or whatever. Maybe you disagree with that. But this is what I can do in my space, in, in my view. My body is important. This movement is important. My life is important. These are huge ways to combat that feeling of despair that is just everywhere. And we're going through it right now with all that stuff happening in the States. Um, it's terrifying. We live in a terrifying world. So people who do this kind of work um, are generous, are full of belief, which is something that is so underestimated, hope and faith. Mm -hmm. I just really struggle with these things. So these are my elders. These are people I look to for the support to do the thing and believe that you are doing something mm -hmm. and to keep doing that. Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah. I think for the record too, every time I go to a drag show of any kind, I feel the same kind of hope. That there's like a real act of bravery and of community building and of vulnerability and generosity that gives me hope that I take into activism or community organizing. So I want to ask Jackie, um, I know that, you know, Phoenix is, is connecting to her ancestors, but when you do your dancing, it's more of a connection to our one common ancestor, that means Gaia, Mother Earth. And I know you have kind of an interesting theory on why the Earth herself has been gendered female. Yeah. Can you talk about that for yeah, a second? definitely. So if anyone is not familiar with the um, philosophy of queer ecology, uh, queer ecology is um, the practice of trying to erase gender uh, when thinking about the Earth, instead of thinking about her as Mother Earth, um, just acknowledging it as, uh, as its own autonomous living organism. Um, when, unfortunately, we live in a world where when we feminize something, uh, it means that they, therefore, it is, uh, it's possible to have, like, to take from that person. Um, societally, we believe that, yes, societally, we believe that a mother is to give, to care, um, to nurture, uh, and to never ask for anything in return. And, and the same reason why most AI programs, or almost all AI programs, yeah. are gendered women, right? Because yes. we can treat them as servants. Yeah, exactly, yeah. There's a huge history throughout the world where technology or robotics or even machinery has been labeled female because they're meant to serve for a purpose and not have anything in return. Um, and so if we, if we live in a, if we exist within a mindset where, um, unfortunately, society, society believes that it's Mother Earth and that it is, she gives and gives and just wants to keep giving, um, eventually her sources will be depleted completely. Um, and, I mean, I think for the majority of us, we don't have the same notion of a mother. We, yes, they, they want to give love and care and nurture, but there is also an equilibrium that needs to be reached within love um, and care that need, it is a two-way street. Um, and so that's where queer ecology is, is by 
by addressing the earth as a non-binary body um, and like recognizing it as a queer spirit, um, we can we can move towards a better mindset to address questions about resource depletion, land ownership. Um, yeah, that there's there's an endless amount of things that can be changed when we change the mindset around the gender of the earth. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think that's question. That is the answer to the question, absolutely. Um, I want to get into one thing before we move to Q&A. Um, we'll, uh, we'll the other room for Q&A. Let's do our closing meditation. So, we, uh, Reese is going to do a closing meditation while I remind you of one thing. Now, the movie Footloose was based on or not based on, but inspired by real events. There was a Baptist town that outlawed dancing. So if you're sitting here thinking, dance can't possibly be as powerful as these people, these witches up here are making it out to be, just remember that it's been banned. And it's been made illegal. And it has been forced into darkness and forced into corners. And if it weren't powerful, that would never have happened. Now Reese is going to lead us. Oh, yes. And I'm going to play guitar. <laughs> so this is a healing closing exercise that's adapted from I'll start this and then we'll go into a final burning times chant. Hopefully we've sung enough times now that you're willing to uh, holler the names of some goddesses out loud with us in this beautifully resonant room. Thank you so much for coming. Take a minute to find your heartbeat again. When you have it, turn to the person next to you. And with their consent, tap your heartbeat against their back, or on the back of the chair in front of you as you prefer. Diana, I could to Demeter Cali. In my 
questions, please send them along to missingwitches at gmail.com and we'll be sure to let Jackie or Phoenix or Jonathan from the AGC know about your questions and hopefully we can get you some answers. Blessed be and happy Letha. Keep dancing.